Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Bridge, a show connecting East and West. I am your guest host, Jesse Appel, IATSE. I was a stand-up comedian for nine years in China, and now I'm in Los Angeles doing Chinese comedy, English comedy, and really a little bit of everything. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, consider giving us a like or giving us five stars, suggestions or comments, anything that you'd like to share with us. Hit us up with an email at welovethebridge at gmail.com. That's we love the bridge. My co-host, Xia Tian, Tom Xia. Hey, I'm still here. And Tom is uh, very glad to still be here. You've made it quite a few episodes now. I am so happy. And it's, uh, you can hear it in his voice. Can't wait. Can't wait. Tom, uh, born in China, raised in the United States, and uh, is my comedy buddy from over in uh, China Together, film director, comedy director, improv comedian, and uh, all around um, just unemployed dream man. All false. All false. <laughs> um, and today, time traveler. And today, so speaking of time traveler, whoa, that's our topic is traveling. So, so the topic um, that we picked today, we're going to do it in three sections. Yes. Is uh, travel and specifically looking into, as we do everything here, differences between and similarities uh, between uh, Chinese and American uh, looks on any given topic. For travel, I feel like, you know, for me, maybe we're coming at this from a different perspective because you were born in China and I, um, you know, I lived in China, but I wasn't born there. For me, kind of my entire life in China was travel <laughs> in some sort of way. It doesn't feel that way after a certain amount of time, but that that's kind of the attraction, the initial attraction of living abroad was like the attraction of going on vacation. Everything's going to be different. Everything's going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, you know, different. And so when you came to the States, I guess you were a kid then. You didn't did you didn't think of it as traveling at the time when you moved here, did you? No, that's imagine if yeah, my, my mom was like, We're gonna go on a trip and then we just stay. <laughs> <laughs> we're going on a trip. It's my the first vacation longest trip in my the first world. vacation, we just stayed permanently in That'd be like location. a weirdest essay. On my first vacation, I never ended. <laughs> yeah, I and never I went, went to home. college and then I <laughs> yeah. It, it's still ongoing this vacation. Yeah, but, yeah, but the um you know when Beijing became my home home. Uh, I still got a chance to travel all around China and, and um uh, Yeah, you saw I, a lot of China. I saw a lot of places and I it was really fortunate because as a comedian, I would often have these situations where people would like pay for my trip and because I was also a comedian, I didn't have anywhere else to go back to that I really needed to be there at any time. So yeah. I would tell people like, hey, you know, book me two days early, book me two days late, or like, you know, let me stay for a little bit. And um I got to see quite a few places in China. That's awesome. Um, and then, and then randomly, when I got back, well, it's not randomly, but then I didn't realize this at all when I came back to the states and I started doing shows in the states and I did tours of colleges and comedy clubs in the states. That also meant I got to travel and see my own country. Yeah. In, in ways that a lot of people don't. So traveling to me has been, you know, a, a really core part of my experience with China. And then, um, and what about you? When you kind of came back to China to live. After being raised in the States, did you kind of have that urge to go and see all sorts of different parts of the country? Yeah, or even even going back to my hometown, having lived in mm. uh, in the States, um, 
was really formative for Remind me. people where you're from? Uh, Harbin, China, the Harbin. best part of China. <laughs> ice cold. Ice cold. That yeah. should really be their their Harbin beer. Ice yeah. cold. They say, what's, what's colder than being cold? <laughs> Harbin, China. So so you were in Harbin, and then um, what yeah. was it like going back to your, your hometown after... It was just, so it was, years. I don't know. I think traveling is, uh, yeah, it was just, it was great. It was, it was just spending time with my grandfather who I grew up with, uh, in Harbin, China, and then spending the summer with him and, and just being surrounded by family. So for me, it's not even like sightseeing and just contrasting different perspectives of my life in LA versus my life in Harbin. And those are really, really invaluable experiences for me. And so, and so maybe we could even say through that is like, if you feel at home, you're not traveling in some mm. way. Do you know what I mean? You know Ooh. what I mean? Like, whoa, that feels, yeah, that's that deep. feels really deep. But the, but the, but that's the thing about the traveling and, and where I wanted to start with the first segment. Every episode we do three segments. And this first segment I wanted to do on the differences between the, how people travel in the U.S. and in China. Because yeah. um, just like stylistically, what people are into is very, very different. And um, I feel like both of us having spent extended time in both places kind of can see the, the good and the bad in that. And so yeah. um, let's start by kind of describing what we feel traveling is like in sure. the States versus China. And I feel like in the States, it's so much, it's more of like an individual or family experience. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, more car heavy more like, you know, let's drive places, even fly somewhere and rent a car, yeah. you know, like the, the, the sort of getting with you and a very small group of people to where you're going. And then sometimes even, um, you know, focusing on more, less, I mean, I'm sure people, you know, there's all sorts of people who travel. They like to like go to cities or whatever, but I feel like getting out of the city is also a big thing. Maybe it's just cause I grew up in the city, but yeah. escaping the city is kind of a, is kind of a hallmark. Yeah, to add on to that, I think the driving from point A to point B, the road trip part, is a huge part mm. of the American traveling experience. Yeah. The type of music you listen to, the type of like snacks you have, yeah. what you do in the car, the sightseeing you along the way. You mean both for good and bad. Like if you think of like The Simpsons or something like that. To show Are we there what yet? A, what a vacation. Yeah, yeah, it's like a family vacation. Are we there yet? No. No, it's totally true. My friend who's got a kid who's like six years old is like, I hate traveling because my kid just asks me whether we're there yet <laughs> and, and we're never there. <laughs> that's uh, Maybe that's, again, very deep like you know if you're if you're there are you really traveling no you're never there whoa um whereas and i'll compare this to sort of my my experience of the the chinese travel industry which you can tell me whether you think is accurate or not but it's based around the tour group it's like you like the infrastructure was built for tour buses i think the 90s and early two yeah yeah 2000s especially because even uh now that's not to say every chinese traveler likes traveling in the tour group but the sites that were developed and the way of getting there were developed for tour groups and so um there's even like you know a a system of like you know rating in china they have like the the triple a the quadruple a the quintuple a right and and these things actually matter because they will they will have the tour groups like you know advertised to people who are saying not from beijing from all around the country that want to travel to the capital of their own country and they say we guarantee everywhere we go is a 5a tourist site yeah. And then if you're from you know, rural Sichuan, you say, oh, that sounds great. That's as good as it gets. But the result is that if there's a 4A spot, you'll never go there. 
because they only go to 5A right. and, and, and vice versa. And so it was actually really funny. We, you know, I, I ran a comedy club in which we performed at all the time that was right off of Nanlo Guxiang in Beijing, which is like a tourist street. Yeah. That's a, it used to be a 5A tourist site because it had all these great buildings and snacks and blah, blah, blah. And um, they actually asked the Beijing government to remove their 5A uh, like a rating because they got too many people imagine those buses coming through all the time so the the bus system kind of means that the 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 travel experience i think is more based around activities yeah and 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 going with large groups of people which might be your family but usually it's several families or even sometimes a whole town like everybody from this town that wanted to go to beijing yeah this is when the trip is happening and just speaking on you know on behalf of my own family i feel like my parents when they were young you know, traveling was never a thing. Back in the day, they actually traveled, like I would say in the 80s, people traveled independently. There weren't many mm. tour groups, but now you can commercialize travel yeah. and it's it feels safe. It feels yeah. like you're taken care of. You're, yeah. not, you're not wasting your time because you only have like, you know, so many yeah. days out of the year you can travel. So they want to maximize. Yeah. And it's maximized to such a point where it's like, even if you spend like five minutes at a destination, that's worth it. It's like an assignment. It's like it's a like traveling a assignment. You go there, you take a picture. You, you know, you were there. You can go. It's back like a scavenger hunt. Yeah, you're just yeah, you just so you've been here. You're really not absorbing any. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be and we, and we should be fair as well. There are like travel groups and stuff in the states as well, but it feels like it's it's um in the states. I feel like the travel groups are almost always like singles group or like you know cosplay group or whatever. Right. I used to do shows on the Royal Caribbean cruise lines and they would do like themed cruises. Right. And, and the themes were sometimes like, you know, sometimes it was like kid themed or whatever, or whatever, take your kid. But other times it was like, there was an anime convention on there once. Uh. And then there was a, um, uh, one time there was a cryptocurrency convention. Oh God. And so if you'd like I, to be I'd on jump a boat off that ship with 2000 crypto investors, crypto bros, I talked to one of them afterwards and I was like, why did you go on the crypto cruise? And he was like, well, basically, you know, I know people in the in the crypto industry, and then whenever a new coin comes out, we buy a ton of it, go on the ship, don't have any internet for three days, and when it lands, we sell everything and we make a bajillion dollars. I'm like, God damn oh, it! Oh, what a wonderful guy! What a, what a dude! What yeah, a dude. I mean, I mean, what about the cosplay? Like, do they ever get off that was the fun. ship? Yeah, that sounds no, like... Well, you can, well, it was, you can go to places like in, in Asia, like, you know, they went to Japan. So right, so they would get off the cruise wearing in cosplay too? No, they would do like events in the rooms. Like so there's a lot of like, you know, if there's like karaoke night or whatever, they would do oh. like, they would dress up and go to karaoke. So it's not a hard can, requirement. No, no, no. But You're my not. point being that the group in the, in, the, in the West, a lot of times the group is like... Um, the group is themed, whereas in, in yeah. China, the group is not themed. And back in the 80s or even 70s, I I think like American tourist groups were like a big thing. You know, Europeans hated American tour, yeah. tour groups, right? Like yeah. these obnoxious American tourists trampling through, yeah, the, the quiet streets of Europe. Well, people, and so that's kind of the, I guess, the questions for you is sort of say like, what's one thing you really like about the Chinese tourist mentality that you think people should know about? And what's one thing you really like about the American tourist mentality that yeah. people should know about? I think, I mean, first of all, when you see a bunch of Chinese tourists taking pictures and wearing like, hat. wearing hats, like, yeah, they're like, they're like the elementary school kids. Them before, like all the Chinese tour groups, they wear the same color hat. And, and they're so in they're, uniform. They're, like they can be easily spotted in the crowd. And there's like a, 
there's a there's a tour guide who they all buy their um, they have like a, a noise um, what you call it like a speaker system yeah and the manufacturer of that is like they manufacture purposefully it must be the lowest quality sound that they could possibly make so the 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 tour guide is always like the reverb and the tour group is just doing the anyway we were talking about positives we're not here to drag anybody what's what's one of the positive elements look I can see why it's obnoxious for locals to see tour groups but you know for 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 a lot of people of my parents generation who never had the opportunity to travel who worked most of their lives it's such it's such a wonderful experience for them to to try something different to be able to see the world mm-hmm. even again even though it might be obnoxious for for well, locals a, i wouldn't say obnoxious or not obnoxious and they're spending I, a lot of money yeah, to be they fair they spend a lot of money yeah the the that was actually one of the elements i actually really liked about the Chinese experience, because I haven't gone on too many Chinese tours, but the closest that I've gone to doing a lot of Chinese tours is performing on that cruise ship, yeah. which for other people would be the sort of tour, vacation tour. And one of the things I did like about it was you found a lot of families that were like, um, a couple would bring their their uh, their parents and their kid. And so it would be like three generations all traveling together. And the cruise was a good choice for that because it was a little bit for everybody. But I like the idea of it because it's like, I don't think I ever went on any, like we would go to Florida as a kid to visit my grandparents. Yeah. But it was not like, okay, now everybody go together and let's all take a trip together. Right. I don't think I ever did anything like that with my grandparents when I was a kid. And like looking back, it's like, yeah. When do you ever get to, yeah. When would you get to do that? And so the fact that the the thing is set up to kind of allow for that, um, I'm sure it just was a market decision. But at the same time, it's like, I think there's a good element to that. Yeah. And, and you know, the, what, I mean, what do, what do you think? I think like, I think traveling alone is definitely preferable. But I, I, again, to put things in perspective, I'm thinking like if one day like we get to travel to the moon or Mars, right? We would definitely go <laughs> in a tour group. I wouldn't do, right? Like that would oh, be yeah. the only way to do to it. Like, because, well, I you mean, because it's, so, it's so foreign. It's such a new place too. I mean, it's just like we've never experienced that. So we want to go in a group. We want to go in a group that's well organized. That's mm. going to show us, like, right where the sites are. Yeah, that I will mean, be the first time, and that to a lot of people, I think, first time travelers in China traveling to Europe or elsewhere in the world. That's a really good point. Is it's 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 not even a. I mean, one way to look at it is say it's not even a Chinese cultural thing. It's a how do you deal with first time traveling yeah. thing. So we talked about the the advantages of the that Chinese style, and then what do you feel are some of the advantages of the American style of travel? Yeah, I think the whole culture. road trip experience for me, um, I, I um, started when my parents uh, would annually drive from L.A. to Vegas. And I hated Vegas because we go for every holiday. But the the trip there through Death Valley, through the desert, was always wonderful. Mm. There was something like... In the it's, car. It's you empty, it's vast, it just felt endless. In the car. Yeah. Yeah, like that part, it was a four-hour drive, but that was always really special. I always looked forward to the drive mm. and and the buffet once we got to Vegas. Yeah. But, but yeah, there's something really... Just the drive is nice because it's either either it's conversation or it's not. Both are good. You know the uh, like I remember, and it's in, filled with hope on your way there. It's yeah. filled with like promise because my dad thought 
he was gonna strike it rich. He's gonna, he's gonna make. And then on the drive back, it's always filled with regret, <laughs> and we're never going strike. back again. And yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe that is a unique Shah family experience. It, it, yeah, it's what you mean. Not every family <laughs> experiences <laughs> <No>. this. Um, <laughs> All right, but whatever. the uh, I think that that's true, and I think the um, the car is kind of a magical place because. You can only hold so many people. It's a spaceship, man. It's, it's a like, spaceship. Yeah. And, and it's like because you can only hold five people or something like that, you got to pick the most important, which is usually your family. But sometimes it's a friend or sometimes it's a group of like, you know, as an adult, you can go on a, a trip with another couple or you could if you had a girlfriend, which I don't. Um, I could imagine <laughs> a world in which you would go on vacations like that. But like, you know, with the bus, it's kind of like the bus is too big because you can't possibly know everyone on the bus. Yeah. And... And if there are empty seats on the bus, that's sad too. Yeah, but the bus is fun. Like for my parents, when when they travel uh, through Europe uh, with a tour, they meet a lot of friends that they still talk to today on the oh. bus. So that's really nice. You know, again, it's like I don't know it, it if it's even, not for you, don't do it. That's but, true. But but if if, if the tour feels good, then you know it's yeah. not a. That's true. Even my mom know. it's like my mom's uh, dream has always been to go to Israel and. I keep saying like, you know, you can just buy a ticket and go. Obviously after the pandemic ends, but like previously you just buy a ticket and go, no, I got to wait for this group. We were going to go as a group with all the women from the synagogue. And like that element of going together with other people in the group, I think is a big part in her mind of the experience she wants. It's not just like, oh, I want to see the Western Wall. I want to yeah. see like that sort of stuff. So, you know, my, my experience has always been there, there's a reason why people do what they do, even if it's not the way you would do it. Yeah, you know, I mean, so what do you what do you prefer, Jesse? How do you prefer to travel? I, you know, it's kind of funny because with a I, girlfriend, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of Sorry. funny because I've done so much traveling and so little of it has been the way I would want to do it. Oh, interesting. The way I travel normally is somebody pays me to go to a place to do a show, which I, I may or may not have chosen, but I make the most of it because the free flights. I see sugar and daddy then, type of travel. I well, see. I wish well, that was the thing is <laughs> even, I wish I had people with me. So I did a lot of traveling alone. I kind of wish I had a friend oh, with me. I see. And then hey, the that's other, a good point. Man. And then yeah. the other way of traveling that I prefer is to be with some sort of local guide, ideally a friend, but even just somebody that you're meeting for the first time or a friend of a friend that's willing to take you to dinner and oh, just give you a little bit of a makes big, look around. Such a big difference. It's a huge difference. And so when I was... Um, that's the way to do it, by the way. So that was the thing when I would go and travel is like, even if I... Like, you know, if I'm doing stand-up or whatever in Chengdu, I'd like, are there, is there a local Chengdu scene? I don't care how good these people are at stand-up at all. I just want to be with other stand-ups yeah, yeah. and have them take me around. Or like when it's the same thing whenever I have people come through Boston or come through L.A. from China, even if I'm not a tight connection, I'll always offer to take them around for a day yeah. or whatever. That's because, really that's really kind of you. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. I mean, it's this is why I said it on the radio is because I want people to think that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's true. it's totally true, and it's um, that yeah. is that's gonna be our first section. Um, coming up, we got a second section here on a traveling where we're gonna talk about our favorite trips we took. Time travel. Time travel. Ooh. Welcome back. You are listening to The Bridge, U.S. China Cultural Topics. I'm Jesse Appel. I'm Jesse here with my co-host, Xia Tian, Tom Xia. Oh, 
Harbin deep. Harbin deep. Tom Sha. Um, we're giving them a lot here. Tom. <laughs> I know, man. They better, uh, they better so, buy us some tickets to Harbin. Yes, and so speaking of Harbin, um, or just anywhere else, we're talking about travel today, differences in travel culture. And um, I think also part of the thing that is so fun about travel is just the stories, man. You know, it's like you get to be able to experience stuff and be able to share those stories with friends. And we got friends on the radio listening. So I thought it'd be a good thing for the second section to talk each of us about our favorite China trip and our favorite America trip. Okay. You spent time in China, both living there and also traveling. Where is your favorite China trip and why was it your favorite trip? Yeah, my favorite China trip um, I took with my parents, I think when I was 11 or 12 years old, and it was the the it was the Huanghe it's not yellow a cruise river. it was a yellow river um boat ride before the three gorges dam was built oh wow before it was flooded uh, yeah yeah so i mean i was i was going to say like the, the yellow mountain huangshan but i felt like this this one was more meaningful and i didn't really i didn't really understand what i was seeing at the time but you were what i would never see again mm. but just going through what was it like describe it what does it look like it was just I saw a lot of like small villages mm. along the mountainside, and it just felt like I it really felt like I traveled back in time, mm. like to a different to a different yeah, period, like and, the Qing Dynasty or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it just felt like it felt magical. Well, a lot of those villages. That's the cool thing about traveling in China is that like a lot of these villages have been there for a thousand years or two thousand years. Yeah, like in the states, like you know, I was traveling recently through the Southwest on my way here to L.A., and they had like. Um, Native American village sites, some of which had like seven, eight hundred years of recorded history. That's as old as you get in the United States. Right. Whereas like you're you're going down the Yellow River Valley, like that has been habitated for, you know, probably 50,000 50, years. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's as much a part of Chinese history as, as you as you get. So again, it didn't hit me like what you know, that was a part of China I never get to see again. But there was just something magical about that. Something a little bit somber too. I don't know, because it was like you know, it's, it wasn't like the clearest water or the best, or the best um, weather, but it what was. What kind of boat were you on? You know, like it just, it felt like a steam, it wasn't a steamboat, but like the way it felt, it, it had the, it Did had it the like, feel of, uh, <laughs> yeah, Mickey Mouse was uh, helming the. Steamboat Willie. Yeah, it was, it was definitely not a steamboat, but it felt like a really old boat. I mean, it's one of those things. I feel like China and America are two very unique countries, really maybe like Canada, Brazil, Russia, India, maybe like, you know, how many countries are so big, they have so vastly different uh, types of terrain and geography and culture inside of them. Right. No, that's a very good point. It's like the Southwest. It's like, if you had told me that like, you know, this was a different country than New England, I wouldn't believe you. They speak English, but it's like, it looks like a different planet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's magical. I yeah. can't, I can't, it's hard to describe. I mean, 
you drove through America. Well, I mean, did you see any part of that? I guess I guess we'll talk about America trips and stuff like that. You yeah. know, the trip, probably the best America trip I've ever taken was just a couple months ago. It was yeah. um, so I, I drove from Boston to Los Angeles to move here in October. Um, and so I hit up, we'll, we'll hit my, <laughs> I went to New Jersey, DC, um, then to Asheville, North Carolina, uh, Nashville, uh, Tennessee through, um, Little Rock, Arkansas, then out to, uh, Amarillo, Texas through to Albuquerque, Phoenix, and then, uh, and then finally to Los Angeles. So mm. went south down the seaboard all the way to like Tennessee and then came across the south and the southwest. Um, and it was it was great. I mean, just seeing the, as you said, like the vastness of the whole thing and just having the scenery slowly change. Yeah. <laughs> like, you Dramatically know, in the, in the northeast, yeah. you're in forests and in the and even down into the south, you have all this like wooded area. Yeah. Then you get out onto the Great Plains and it was just, you know what I didn't expect is all windmills. It's like, you know, the oh, sort of like new energy you fly across, you go across Texas is windmills on yeah. both sides of the highway forever. Um, windmills and farms all throughout these parts of the country and also parts of the country that I really is an, even though I'm an American, never got to see before. Like, right. you know, I, if most people don't get you're to from see Boston. America. You don't go to Little Rock, Arkansas or like, you know, Amarillo, Texas for no reason. Right. You know, so I think part of the fun for me was seeing just as I said, the, the sort of the differences in, in the way things looked and the people were different, but they weren't so different that you couldn't figure it out. Like, you know, I had a lot of fun on a night in Asheville, um, North Carolina. Uh, I went to just random like brew pub or whatever for dinner. And of course I'm traveling alone. And then there were these five other people at the table who were just like, you know, two of them were local. Three of them were visiting from New York to visit their friends who were there. They, uh, you know, we wound up like, you know, chatting and I wound up like, they're like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a Chinese stand-up comedian. They're like, what? <laughs> and I gave them all Chinese. Are you from Harbin? <laughs> we all like had like two drinks and I was like, I'm going to give you all Chinese names. And then I took a video of me like giving them all Chinese nice. names. And, um, and like, you know, kind of, it was, it was a weird moment. Almost, almost weirdly felt like I was in one of those cities in China where I was traveling, doing a show, didn't know anybody would strike up a conversation with a bunch of other guys at the, uh, at the, uh, you know, sort of like Ma La Xiao Long Xiao restaurant, um, you know, and just sort of, just sort of like meet people. There's a lot of friendly people outside of Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Well, that's true. I mean, the, uh, I remember going to Ohio and then just at a restaurant and then, yeah. And then like a family just invited, uh, invited me and my crew to their home for dinner. Where is this? This is in, uh, no, it was in Iowa. It was in Des Moines, Iowa. Why were you in Des Moines? Uh, we were shooting a documentary there. Mm. And they were just so nice. We said no because we didn't want to, you know, we don't want to go anywhere with strangers. <laughs> we, we didn't have the time, but we just thought it was so nice. Nobody in L.A. would invite anybody, even friends, over for dinner, <laughs> let, alone, <laughs> yeah. let alone strangers. That's funny. I mean, yeah. and so this was kind of the fun for me of getting to see my own country. And again, it's it's sort of a weird position because I have been living in China for nine years and everybody there expects me to be an expert on all things America. And of course, you know, nobody, a, a country so large as the United States, like nobody can represent all of it well, you know. And so, but I was still in a position where whatever I said about the United States carried a lot of weight. Yeah. Because people 
not only did they finally meet a foreigner, they met a foreigner who could speak Chinese fluently enough to be able to explain some detail. Whereas if you meet somebody who's not fluent enough to explain detail, you know there's parts of the story you're missing. But if you meet somebody who can say whatever they want and they choose to say this and not that, that kind of, I think, leaves an even deeper mark. Like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking no, about. No, that's so interesting. It's like you, you do become... You do become the representative of the entire country. Yeah. I remember uh, a documentary I did. We got into the Aspen Film Festival, and after the after the screening, a lady. It was a Q and A after the screening, and a lady asked me, and she was very being very earnest, and she was very nice, and she asked me, she's like, "How come? Like, I don't understand. Like, how come Asians are so good at mathematics?" And she really wanted to know. Want to know? Yeah. And I just said, because you clearly haven't put two and two together. (laughs) 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 What what did you say? Huh? What did you say? I just said, we're naturally smarter than everyone else (laughs) on the planet. I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't, I don't want to lie. (laughs) I didn't give her a real answer. No, but like, again, she wasn't, she wasn't being racist or, you know, she just wanted, again, like people are not exposed to the rest of the world. Yeah. That's why traveling is so important. You know, that was, uh, I mean, this is my the classic. I was saying that Mark Twain quote that I always love: "Travel is fatal to ignorance." You, Ooh, like you got a good one. The more you travel, the more you realize. It's even sometimes yeah. in the not learning of things. Like yeah. if she had gone to Asia and just been like, "Oh, everybody's doing math, just like regular life math." Like nobody's like sitting doing quadratic equations on the subway. Like. You, and you're like, uh, you know, it's it, like, what is what is the difference? Yeah. Really? And the truth is because they do more math in in Asia. I think that's a real like <laughs> they, they care more about math. That's why they're good at it. They practice more. Yeah. I mean, Jesse, I mean, to be honest, like you must have been asked a lot of crazy questions in China oh, about yeah. the states. Sure. Right? I think the I think the yeah. And again, the, the key is, again, that earnest is I feel a lot of people wanted to know. Yeah. I feel like a lot. How of, come everybody is so bad at math? In it's funny. Everybody wants to know about stuff that's related to their life. So like the cab drivers are like, how much you make driving a cab in right, America? Right. You know, the, the guys <laughs> that did the uh like the the foot massage, they're like, how much do foot massage people make in America? Right. And, that's, and, that's so funny. And it's like um because I think they have this idea it's like it, it's crazy to think to move to another country and reinvent yourself. Although I mean some people do it. But but I, it's much more it's, it, I think it means something to say, like, could I kind of be who I am elsewhere and what would that be like? Yeah. And that's kind of ironically been my big trouble readjusting back into life as America's. My life and what I did was so closely tied into China. Like, this feels like my life talking about China on the radio. Whereas, like, you know, I want to join like a sports league or something like that. I've never done that as an adult right. in, in America. Like, I don't know how they do those things. Like, how do people play basketball together? Like, stuff that should be really basic here. Yeah. I've almost traveled myself out of knowing my own country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems like you have a more of an outside perspective. I, I wanted to ask yeah. you, I mean, not everybody gets to travel across the country. Mm. Like, what was, you know, what, it doesn't have to be the most memorable. What, what was one of the more, like, what kind of struck you? I I think what struck me was that it was the people that I was staying with because I basically built my, my, my route around 
going to places where I knew somebody. And it was mixed. It was sort of a weird mix because it was mixed up with also seeing parts of my own country that I'd never seen before. Nashville is nuts. Right. I went to Broadway in Nashville. I've never like, been, so I didn't it's, yeah. it's nuts. Like there's music venues lining the streets both ways. They take the glass out of the windows to blast the sound into the street to attract people in. And it's everybody's doing like, that? It's almost like Hohai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in Hohai, they had all these bars. But instead of just like you know, whatever, playing from some sort of like EDM CD. It's all live music. They put the bands up against the window. So you're looking at the backs of the bands and the front of all the groupies who are playing. It's also the bachelorette capital of the U.S. So it was like flocks of, you know, women all out on their bachelorette parties. Why bachelorette, but not bachelor? That's Because it's it's Nashville, baby. I'm sure they have bachelors too, but it's like, it was specifically like, you know, going to music, having Uh, drinks. Like it's, I think, a good bachelorette uh, type of Sounds like a lot of fun. It was like, it was nuts. And then, you know, the Rolling Stones were playing that day that I was passing through. The Rolling Stones are all like 80. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go see the Rolling Stones play. I made a, I decided at 4 p.m. I was going to buy tickets to see the Rolling Stones. I just went in and watched the Rolling Stones. It's Nashville, so it's a music capital. So they have they have shows like that all the time. We went saw it. That's I saw amazing. it in like a football stadium. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like so American right now sitting in a football stadium. Watching, watching the a, Rolling Stones. Ro- watching a rock concert. Yeah. And it was like. I mean, that's time traveling back to like the 70s. Well, yeah. Also, <laughs> no, Mick Jagger came on stage and he was like, I remember the first time we performed in Nashville. It was 1961 or something like that. I'm like, wow. holy, whoa. It was something yeah. like that. I don't remember the exact date, but it was, um, it was a journey. And, um, in that sort of travel, uh, it, you know, that's the thing about it is like, you're experiencing something new, but your head is not firing with what you're seeing in front of your eyes. Your head is firing about how is this similar or different to what I lived through before? Yeah, and so that's kind of where I'm crashing that against other experiences you've had. And you say like, you know, because again, being in the rock concert made me realize it's like, I don't think I've ever done this before. Right. And and that was the sort of experience that like, you know, sometimes you do things with traveling. Like I went I went um, scuba diving a couple of times um, when I was in Asia and the Philippines. It was great. But I have sinus problems. It was really like I came up and my nose was bleeding. It was like. I'm and then the sharks not, came. I'm probably not going to make snorkeling, scuba diving a big part of my life. <laughs> yeah, that sounds would, really dangerous. But you would never know unless you did it once. Right. And sometimes there are definitely some people that'll go scuba diving or go to a rock concert or go to, you know, hiking in, in Santa Fe or something like that. And they're like, I didn't know I needed this in my life. And I found out because I got to travel. Well, here's a question for you. Did your nose bleed during the rock concert? <laughs> yeah, I was up in the nosebleeds. I was yeah. like six rose from the back of the stadium the football stadium it was like uh i didn't know they had seats this far away from the action but um that that is that is that so um that's great, great and then tri- you came to la and then you uh i remember you know you you uh try to stay with us and then i said if you don't get off my property i'm gonna call the police yeah, and then and, I, I threw and a conniption I, fit you did and when you and your nose started bleeding yeah, and when you said crying. that and I called the police like an hour before knowing you were going to be here. Yeah, so they were that was, really, that was a, they I were mean, waiting. I wanted to welcome you the LA way. And I felt welcomed. So that's the, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, that's the end of part two. We're going to come right back for part three. Welcome back. You are listening to the bridge. Where am I? Hey, you're, you're Tom. Shaw. Oh, Yes. <laughs> and uh, we're back into the travel uh, episode. 
recent interaction of technology and travel, if you just go on Instagram or you go on, you know, Pangyo Char on, on WeChat, you go on any social media, you're just flooded with these gorgeous travel videos. Like unbelievably yeah, beautiful. Like Nat Geo level. Beautiful people. Pristine. And that's the thing is like 10 years ago, it was like Nat Geo or professional companies that were doing this. Yeah. Now you, you, you have an iPhone yeah. or whatever, or uh, you can go on and just shoot gorgeous content. Yeah. And, and you know, and if you're not beautiful, you shouldn't be traveling because <laughs> what's the point? It almost feels like that at yeah. this point. Like, like where are the where are the videos of the normal people? Traveling? Where are the ugly people? Are they not, yeah, are traveling, they not traveling anymore? Like, is it only beautiful people that travel? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, like it's it's almost like the uh, it's almost like a joke at this point because the the level of expectation <laughs> it almost feels as if the. I heard about this, like, you know, I was talking, I, I read an article about specifically, they were talking about the automobile industry and how young people don't measure their status by their cars in the same way. They're willing to take an Uber. Whereas like in the seventies and eighties, like you had to show up in a car and, and like to pick up your date. Right. It was a cool thing. And like spending a ton of money on their car was worth it because you got status. And now people are willing to take Ubers and they want to travel. My point is that like people now for status, they want that vacation photo. Like people video blog themselves as if they're travel bloggers and they're not. They're just, they have like 50 followers on Instagram, but they, they want so badly for people to see them doing the travel thing. And I was just interested in what you thought about that and how it's changing the nature of travel and why people yeah. travel because they need to document it. I mean, I think the deeper question is if you go to Santorini and you don't post it on IG, did you even go? It's almost like weirdly now the flex would be coming back from a trip and people are like, I didn't see any photos that, yeah, we were just enjoying Yeah, ourselves. you didn't go. You know, no, like, you well, didn't go. <laughs> well, and this is the thing is like. Um, yeah, what's your problem? There's obviously no problem with taking a picture while you're on vacation. And it started out great, by the way. Like, like when, when people first started posting their travel pictures on Instagram, these, like, beautiful, like, arty pictures, it was awesome. Well, that was the, the original reason why a lot of the, inst like, Instagram as an app started blowing up is because even, like, regular photos look really cool with those filters. But when you had a photo that was, like, legitimately beautiful and then you had the filter on... And then it's easy to like swipe through. You can see a whole slideshow yeah. in just a bit. It, I mean, it really is cool. It's almost like performative at this point, though. It's it's almost yeah. like people don't even know what they're doing. Anywhere they go, somewhere pretty, they take a picture and they share it. And and it and it it lessens. I feel like it lessens the impact both that you have in the in the moment and also like you know it's it's hard to even think about like traveling now because i've seen so many beautiful places on the phone you no know, once in a while there are these tiktok videos where it shows like uh like a beautiful girl like taking a picture like this was in japan taking a picture with a very beautiful serene lake in the background and it's like fall leaves everything's beautiful and then and then the camera shifts to the other side and it's like a long line of people <laughs> waiting, waiting. <laughs> no, that's, that's like super that's like what it is now i mean when i i went into a vacation in, uh in yangshua with my parents and beautiful karst mountains amazing scenery there was a hill they called the moon hill because it had an arch that had like a, a moon shaped uh like you know hole in it that you could see the sky and they had a so they had a pedestal worthy. with two women in uh, i believe it was zhuangzu like zhuang ethnic dress um, standing there. And as a tourist, they just had a big line. You go up, you stand between the two women. Um, and then, uh, 
you stand between the two women, you take your picture, you go off. You stand, be- they have next guy, next guy up, next guy up. Nobody hiked the mountain. Right. It was an easy hike. It was a, it was like a, it was like a one hour hike. Yeah. And then, and, and you got to be with these beautiful women. Um, and we got, and they have the, of course, the tourist trap type thing. So they'll sell you the photo in a frame afterwards. Oh, right. And Which... so we actually bought the photo. <laughs> and so now it's like at, at home and, and people come and take a look at that photo and they're like, who are those women you're with? Yeah. Like, By the way, they must've, I mean, they, they must've all gone out of business. No, the people taking pictures and then framing it. It's like, what? Oh, I'm sure the tour, well, no, well in China, tourism is still open within China. But, but like, I mean, who, who? Who prints pictures these days? Oh, you're saying, well, this is the interesting thing, is in a world where everything is digitized, yeah. ironically, having the the actual photograph was really cool. Like, yeah, I, okay. like we actually yeah. got a couple of them. Now, in America, it's like 25 bucks. That's ridiculous. In China, it was three bucks. U.S. Yeah. So it's like, hey, it comes in the frame. You can't right. get a you can't get a frame in America for three bucks. Yeah. So like, it, it felt like a good thing to take away in that situation. Um, although I do think it was a little bit overdone in the tourist places we went to in China because it was, yeah. And this is kind of the question: Where do you come down on this? When you travel, do you, do, you know, how much phone do you use? Do you post the travel pictures? Yeah. You know, what do you do? More than I should, and I. I'm, I try to be aware of that. I mean, in the beginning, I really like, you know, it was almost a competition. Like, I get, to, I'm finally here. I want to take the best pictures because <laughs> I want people to like this picture. Otherwise, why am I even here? Do you feel like that's because you're like also like a film director? Like, you do visual medium stuff, or you feel like that would have been. No, like it's you? true. It's true. But then after realizing my photography skills is crap, I realized, like, oh, it's a. Uh, you know, I'm never going to win this Tom's battle. Tom's a crappy photographer, unless you want to hire him as director of photography, yeah. in which case he is a professional. I will also travel with you and take your Instagram pictures. <laughs> so, so, so here's, so yeah, I met I this woman yeah. at the Great Wall. We were, um, I was hiking in Great Wall. I was actually with my dad on another trip that my dad had come. And we met this um, woman from Britain who was on the wall. She was traveling through China, blah, blah, blah. Everybody from the... Uh, from the bus, uh, we decide, a couple of people decided we'll get hot pots. We all shared this hot pot. We added each other's Instagrams. Uh, and then over the years, I figured out she just travels. Oh, They wow. must be crazy rich family or something like that. Yeah. She just travels. She totally has like a, alone? a travel blogger alone with friends on a yacht in a plane in Davos. In space. Like it was <laughs> wow. like, like top level, top wow. level world traveler stuff. But, but it was so weird because... As a a means of social status, if you get social status by posting pretty photos, I feel like normally it's balanced by the fact that people know like, well, you got to work. So this was special to you. But like, but it, she was just on the road all the time. Yeah. You know, so it, it, but it almost, I almost wondered where the arrow was coming. I'd be interested to talk to her about this is like, how much of this is like, are you actually, are you trying to build a job as a travel blogger? And how much of this is just like, you just travel everywhere and just show off all the time. <laughs> like, right, you know, like right. even if somebody's like trying to build something as a travel blogger, yes, they have resources that most people don't have, but they're trying to build something, even if it doesn't work. I, 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 I don't know why. I feel Maybe she's got a brand. That. I don't know. If well, it, I mean, the thing is, but what, what about, but you know what, if it is her brand, that's okay. That's actually, I'm, so I'm like, this is that's, the weird thing about it. I agree with you. If it's her brand, it's okay. But why is that okay? If it's for if it's for economic purposes, whereas like it's not okay if she's just like just enjoys traveling and has infinite money. But that's the interesting <laughs> thing about it is like it, it kind of it has that element of it like 
where again, because we're artists, we would I would yeah. normally tell you I would never judge anybody's worth off of how much money they make because you don't know what's going on. Some people make a ton of money and you know put in no effort. Other people create amazing art and it just doesn't happen to make money. Yeah. And, and yet with the travel, my brain goes into lizard mode. Yeah. And I'm like, that's messed up. She better be making money from this or else I'm just salty. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's where it's coming from. It's like part of me wishes I think this that is more I about you than it is no, about her. No, of course it's about me. <laughs> I mean, we're, the podcast is, I'm a podcaster. Is it this not, is. is there anything that's not about me? <laughs> if anybody's not clear about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I do, I do feel the pressure though. I, yeah, it would be a lie to, I can say I don't care, but the pictures do matter. I hate the fact that it does, but I mean, ideally I would love to travel like Anthony Bourdain. Well, this is that why Anthony be Bourdain best. was such a hero. Yeah. Because not without only, the crew, without the camera crew, I'm sure well, that's so super stressful. But the thing about Anthony Bourdain was like everybody, every like the the it's not really a joke, but everybody would say about Anthony Bourdain that man had the best job in the world. He not only did you get to travel, you're on TV, and you get to eat great food. But you know, he it's a stress like oh, it's it a was, stressful shoot. No, like, clearly, it was stressful. Yeah. I mean, and he ate a lot of food. I'm sure he was just stuffed all the time. But the but like. The idea is we have this such high value placed on travel, culturally, socially. And, and that was the weird thing about that, that girl that travels all the time. I don't really want to do that. Right. Like, I know how I like to travel. I like to travel. But if I had infinite money, I would still not, I wouldn't be on the road 300 days a year. Yeah. No I, way. I agree. You know? And so, it, so why is it? This was what I was trying to work through. But for her, it made sense. Well, well, that's the, that's maybe one of my most curious questions is, does she even really want to do this? Or does she feel... Unless you mean it's like a job? No, no. Or does she feel like, hey, I have infinite money. I have to... Show oh. off to my other people with infinite money. Oh, so I, I have see. to pick the best places and really, you know, I just happen oh, to be on an Instagram. That doesn't sound sustainable. That's no, the it doesn't. And I, we I'm, sound really salty, by the way. But <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't mean, mean to hate on her. I'm just saying, like, it would. The weird thing about this is that the travel has this social, um, this social sh- um, show offy aspect to it that which I don't particularly like but it's mixed because with it's a lu- because it's a luxury to have free time imagine if everybody well, that's the traveled time. all the time it would it would it that, wouldn't have a lot of value also right? like even even other things like you know like uh, one of the reasons why I think people are like like a sport like polo or something like that not only do you have to be rich enough to own a horse you have to be rich enough to to spend all day riding around on your horse chasing a ball yeah. Like that's why it feels so high class is yeah. because it's, it's the, the time. It's the time is a luxury. It's like, you know, the the ability to show you have that time is in some ways even more it, it, as much as where you are. Like cuz I mean, think about it. If you went to somewhere that wasn't picturesque, but you're like I wanted to go and explore, you know, the 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 trash heap of whatever, but it was really far out of the way and like people saw that you traveled a long way to get there, yeah. you'd still get a little bit of a boost because people are like, oh, that guy's going out there doing his own thing and he has the time to do it. Yeah. Um, so part of it is the time show off, I guess. It is. I mean, but that's a big flex. It is. I mean, otherwise, why do people pack in so much in so little time? Like when people travel, whether whether they go to Hawaii or Europe, it's like, I need to see everything because I only have two weeks out of the year Yeah. and it's more stressful than work, yeah. you know, and people are dead tired by the time they get back and they I, spend I a load of money. I, I talked to somebody who'd said something that really stuck in my mind, 
where they were like, they use travel as an example, but the, their point was just to talk about the nature of how human beings enjoy things. Mm. And they said, we enjoy the expectation of fun more than fun. Yeah. So we, if, oh, you have a, if you have a vacation coming up in a week, you're skipping, even though you're working today and you're going through the slog, you're so excited for the vacation. Yes. On the vacation, sometimes you're having a good time, sometimes not. No, once you get there, it's over. It once really you get is, there. Yeah. So, so yeah. the weird thing is like- Because your expectation is so high. You're like, this yeah. is it, I'm free. And then once you're there, it's just like- Okay, got to get in line. Got to get in line for this. Or gotta, I'll, I'll yeah. be like, you know, even even like little things like, like maybe if I'm out all day, I'll be like, I can't wait to get back and sit on the porch and read a book. And then I do that for five minutes. So I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. Like, you yeah. know, like, like it's like the, it didn't, I didn't really want to sit out on the porch and read a book. It was almost like the thinking the about Hollywood the Hollywood thing to do. The future. Is that a Hollywood thing? You want to read a book? Or, or just to like chill by the beach and drink a pina colada or yeah. just every anything. Like you have to, yeah, there are these like picturesque things that you you associate a vacation with. But, yeah, and, and so that's kind of like, do you feel in your life, like when you plan your vacations, do you feel beholden to those things? Less and less so actually, because I've been through it and it just feels like, okay, now that I have two kids, I mean, going to the supermarket is a vacation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. By, with the kids or by yourself? By myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I just imagine like, I mean, even taking my kids to the park is like a production. So there's nothing chill about going anywhere. Yeah. But like if we do go somewhere far and I do want to show them the world, it's like, we're just going to take our time. You know, even if we just chill by the hotel, whatever it is, like it's just supposed yeah. to be. And you know what? I think ideally we set it up where we're, where we meet with locals and do something that are that we don't get to do typically, and not to stress about things that we don't get to see. I yeah. think that's really important. I think that's true. And that, and that you asked me before, like how I like to travel. That's one. Like I, I think the 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 stress for me comes in this idea that I should be seeing things and I'm not. Yeah. And then when I give that over to the local. Like, I'm totally willing to say, like, yeah, we went to this random, like, French fry restaurant, but, like, that's where they said was the place to be, and I trusted the local, and, like, you know, and I am and I will take that trust, you know, 95 times out of 100 that you're going to go to a good place. Oh, man, this gave me a really good idea. You know what would be a really fun way to travel? Well, if you just, like, if you just pick a random city, like every time you want to go somewhere and then go and then, and then plan. Well, I think that would be the best. That could be cool. And the, yeah. and the, and uh, that is a real, cause you have zero expectation. And that's originally what kind of the Airbnb thing was is like before it became corporatized, it was not just people that put you up on the couch, but it was specifically people that wanted to host randos right. in their house and take and them share, around. And share food. Yeah. Share food, make food, take them to restaurants. I mean. Not corporations buying up like, you know. I mean, I almost, well, there's there's couch surfing. There's even um, uh, the uh, nautical equivalent, did you know this, called find a crew, where if you want to be on a crew and you want to get on a boat, and and wow. and you know do the rigging. You can do that. It helps to be a, a young, attractive lady. Those yeah. seem to be the type of people that get taken on the, as the crew. But like in the theory, even you could do it. Even you could do it. Oh, thanks, man. I, I appreciate actually that. don't really believe that. I just said it to be nice. To I you. know. I, I, I see that know. on your face. Anyway, lot coming out. Anyway, <laughs> final. We're yeah. gonna, we're going to wrap up traveling. But um, final thing, kind of bring this back to sort of a, a China angle. Um, 
what was um, do what the locals do? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, what was so? To, so that was what I was going to ask. Is like, have you ever been to somewhere in China? You did what the locals did, and um, and that was. That I don't was know, good. but you know, like going to Xi'an, like going to the night market, and eating all that food. I feel like that's what I should be like. That was fun. Just loving. Xi'an yeah, is great. Just try to do whatever you know. Like, don't do something too outrageous. Or like, if you come to LA, I guess it's not really a choice. But the road trips, like that's that's part of going down highway one you know it's like that's these are amazing experiences yeah. that, you, that you won't regret yeah and a lot of it i feel is also like mental about what will and won't be good I, I realized at the beginning of my road trip i had lived so many years in asia that i had really had this complex where like i didn't want a car because i knew how annoying it was to have a car in beijing and how expensive and and i, and I had gotten right. to the point where it had gone from like, it will be inconvenient to like, it's part of my identity that I don't have a car because I live in a city with public transit and Beijing is blah, blah, blah. And I love Beijing. But then when I had the, when I, when I got, and this is my first car, 30, 31 years old, I have my first car ever that I bought my dad's used car. Congratulations. And, um, it's, but yeah, it feels like then once I had the car, I'm like, yeah, it's expensive. I got to pay for gas, which is stupid. But like, there's a freedom to having that car. Oh yeah. And there, and like, it's something that like in, in China, I kind of prided myself on being able to use the public transit and whatever. And I was kind of annoyed that America had like shitty public transit compared to, compared to, uh, the, the China. But then there was also this car element where I'm like, I kind of get it. Like it's, yeah. it's really cool. Especially out here in California. It's like, you know, you can just get in the car and you can go up to the mountains. You can go to the ocean. You can go to Mexico. You know, yeah. it's like two hours. You from won't here. be able to come back, but yeah, you'll get, <laughs> yeah, the, you get to go. Yeah, you know, somebody take the car, but no, I'm sure that Mexico is, is <laughs> no, great. No, Mexico is beautiful. Again, uh, you know, not. But if you're going to go travel anywhere, it would really be a harbin. That's of course, I mean. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this has been a great episode. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to suggest future topics to look at from U.S. China cultural angles, uh, put it in the comments. Uh, we'll take a look at it, and um, just very glad to be able to share people's time with you. Post travel story. Tell yeah. us where you travel. Where was the best place that you went to travel? We should be doing um, hearing your stories as well. And um, and we're asking that because we know it's COVID and you don't get to travel. Yeah. So and we're then, really yeah. rubbing it in your face. And, and you may have noticed that we're having like a big, like, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, more of a reliving of our travel experience. I yeah. really hope that the borders open soon and that everything can kind of get You back can travel there. on Google Maps. You can travel. I mean, we didn't talk about GeoGuessr. But yeah. But like, you know, there's all sorts of ways to travel on Google Maps. Where was that site? I need to look it up. You can go. Uh, I, this is very bad. Maybe we'll put it in the comments. But there was a website that people took footage of being in cabs in different countries, just driving around the streets in a cab. Oh. And you can go to like 50 countries and listen to the local radio. Wow. And just sit and look out the window. It was like 3D. So you can like just click oh, on yeah, the screen yeah. and kind of... They have hiking cab. videos like that too that are really fun. Really cool stuff. So when I say fun, I mean sad. <laughs> so, no end to the travel stuff. I hope everybody has a great time. Stay safe wherever you are. And once it becomes safe to travel again, the floodgates are going to open, man. People yeah. are going to go. Yeah. So if you uh, get are... Your, get yeah. your IG game get, get ready. It going. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks very much. I'm Jesse Appel, ITC. Uh, Harbin. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to The Bridge. We will see you next time.